gather together to praise Him and to sing to Him. And if you were with us right at 10.30 this morning, um, Matt led us in a song, and I just want to reread the words of the chorus of that song. We sang, so I will stand and see it through. I will stay the course and make it home. Oh, my heart is overwhelmed with peace in the storm. It's all because of Christ. And I know so many of us, sometimes we feel like we are overwhelmed by the storm rather than overwhelmed by the peace of Christ. And so our prayer this morning as we gather together, as we remember who Jesus is, is that our hearts would be overwhelmed by the peace of Christ in the midst of this current storm that we are experiencing on a global scale, as well as the personal storms that you might be walking through, sickness, job situations, marital strife, families, Who knows? I don't know all that you're dealing with, but what I do know is that Jesus is real and Jesus is aware of that. And we can stand not because we are strong, but because He is strong. He is made strong in our weakness. And that's something to rejoice over, friends. So as we begin this morning, as we prepare to open the Word, pray with me and ask God to overwhelm us with the peace of Christ through the gift of His Word. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for this morning. I thank you for the opportunity, even in a unique setting, to be able to gather together, not as we would love to, um, not physically, but to at least be able to share uh, virtually with one another, to encourage one another. And I thank you, God, that your word is true, that your word is not bound or held captive by a virus or any other thing. But your word will ring out. And I thank you that that's happening this morning all over the world. And God, we pray that this morning, that the peace that you bring through our Savior Jesus Christ would just wash over every home in our community. For all of my friends, loved ones watching, from home, worshiping together, separated, but in unity. Lord, I pray that your peace would just just pervade, break through the circumstances. Remind us this morning of who you are, God. And let those words that we sang earlier, that we will make it home, that we will stand, let those be true of us, not because we are strong but because you are strong. You are mighty, mighty to save. And we rejoice in that this morning. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Ryan Ross. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and it's so good to be with you. If this is your first time joining us for our online gathering, I'm glad that you're here. As Pastor Kyle welcomed you, I just wanted to issue a a word of welcome. And one of the things that we know is happening as families are gathered together, um, that children are a part of this worship experience, and that's something that we love and we rejoice in. Um, In our regular gatherings, our K through fifth graders are a part of a kids' church time, um, and uh, the rest of us are all together 
together. And we believe family worship is something that we believe that God intends for us to do. And so this is a unique experience, but it is an opportunity for us to be together. Um, but we, uh, our kids team, uh, we have an amazing kids team here at City Church, and they have put together uh, a worship guide for your children to use. So I'm going to invite Miss Shelly Knight to come up with me this morning. If you don't know Shelly, Shelly is our littles minister, and Shelly is going to walk you through. So kids, pay attention to Miss Shelly as she uh, welcomes you to church this morning. Well, good morning, City Church families. And I want to give a special hello to all of our littles and our kids that are out there this morning. So we want to join you guys to come and worship together as a family. Um, First of all, if I haven't yet met you, as Ryan said, my name is Shelly Knight, and I'm the littles minister here at City Church, Melissa. And... um, I wanted to let you know that right now at this time, we would, enlight, we would like to invite you guys to get your children's sermon notes guides. Um, those were sent out yesterday via text. So parents, if you want to check that out, and they're also on our Facebook page as well, um, if you guys want to go ahead and get those so that we can get ready to begin our church service this morning. Um, kids, no worries if you do not have that in front of you right now. Just go gather a pencil or something to write with and a paper or notebook so that we can get ready to begin. Um, Parents, while they're doing that, I just want to remind you of the upcoming things that we do have this week. Please make sure at 11 o'clock on Facebook, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, we will have something really special for your kids and for your families to do. It's so much fun, and we've been working really hard to give you guys something to do this week, something to lead your children spiritually. Also tonight, look in your inbox for the weekly Bible lesson that will be coming out. Those will be emailed out out each week with some activities and a Bible lesson for you to do throughout the week. Um, As always, we're here if you need anything at all. Um, Jessica and I, you can reach us by email, Jessica or Shelly at citychurchmelissa.com. We would love to hear from you. If you need anything at all, please don't hesitate to call on us. We are here. And kids, we really look forward to seeing you again soon. But in the meantime, we look forward to worshiping with you and interacting with you online. We hope to see you soon, guys. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Shelly. I got to say that one of my uh, favorite times this, this week, um, you might all laugh at me, but was um, music time with Miss Laura. Um, was an awesome time uh, to uh, just sing together and remember some of those childhood songs. And um, I, uh, I don't any longer have a, a little one that um, uh, sings along as much with those songs, but it was fun for me to be reminded of that. And I told Miss Laura, I said, I think she's the female Mr. Rogers. So um, it was an awesome time. So uh, be sure and, and follow uh, Shelly and Jessica's lead and um, get engaged, kids, with what we're doing online, trying to provide for you. Well, this morning we are, as uh, Pastor Kyle read for us studying Psalm 91. And I don't know about you, but it seems as if this season, one of the unique things and really one of the things that I believe in God's kindness to us has kind of become evident is how much the Bible seems to be real to us. It seems to be speaking, at least to me, in this season of life more clearly. Because the reality is, for most of our lives, I know that I don't, I don't think any of us that are watching right now uh, or participating would say that we've ever experienced anything like this. What we are experiencing this morning or this, in this season of life is something that we've never experienced in our past before. And for most of our lives, I think for many of us, 
trials and tribulations. Yes, there have been some that have been individually shorter-lived types of trials, but something that is so pervasive in our culture, really a worldwide event like this pandemic, it's, it's, we've never experienced it before. And much of the Bible, though, speaks to people who are in exile, who are in trials, long, generational, long trials. And so these stories that we're reading seem to be coming alive in a new way. And that's one of the reasons that over these last few weeks, um, City Church family, you've noticed that we've taken just a, a little bit of a pause from our study in the book of Ephesians. It's because I believe it's just we've prayerfully tried to discern what is it that God is trying to teach us, how can we most uh, minister to one another and to you through God's word, is the Psalms speak so clearly to these things. I've always loved the Psalms, but... Again, thinking about how to best sort of point our hearts to God in the midst of uncertainty, the Psalms have been so much clearer. They have been a bedrock for our souls. And Psalm 91 is a hopeful psalm. It is a psalm that secures us as believers. And I pray that as we spend some time studying it this morning, that we would be reminded of who God is, reminded of His power and His love and his endurance with us. Now, Psalm 91, just a very brief sort of background information. It's a psalm that is written by either David or Moses. There's some, uh, some uh, dispute as, to, as far as to who the author is. When we're reading the psalms, when there's an author given, then we know that it's, uh, that's who wrote it. Uh, but if there's no author listed, then usually the most previous author is who, is the, who the psalm is attributed to. So if you look in your Bibles, you'll notice that Psalm 90 is attributed to Moses. Psalm 91 is not attributed to anyone, and so Moses... Most of the time, it's believed, okay, that is written by Moses. However, the circumstances of the psalmist and the way the psalmist write, the language that is used in Psalm 91, sounds very much like David. And so we're not exactly sure, but we can understand that it is both. It is either written more than likely by David or Moses. But here's the amazing thing about this psalm. As we see, this psalm, whether written by David or written by Moses, is not really about their circumstances. It's not really written about them. But it points us to the greater David, the greater Moses, Jesus Christ. In our Old Testament, there are often these characters that we see all the way beginning from Adam to Moses and to David, and we see these names, and they are given to us in their lives. They're, they're, of course, we can study them, and we can learn so much about uh, who God is and, and, and how God moves through the story of their lives, but so often these characters, they're pointing us to someone that would come after them, who would be the greater of them, and that is pointing to Jesus. And so this psalm really, the reason that it is so hopeful is that it points us to Christ. It points us to the hope that we have because of Christ. So as we begin Psalm 91, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, we have been told by the authorities over us to shelter in place. Our homes, we feel like and we believe, are a safe place, and very often they are a safe place 
We're protected from the outside world. Of course, we're protected from the natural world, rain and storms and all of those types of things. The shelter of the home provides that rooftop for us, the warmth or the cool air that we need. But we're also protected from all of the circumstances of the outside world. I don't know about you, but I have lost track many times this week of what day it is. All I know, there's basically my calendar has gone to three days of the week. Yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That's all that I know. I don't know the names. I just know yesterday, today, and tomorrow. The outside world, I'm sort of just kind of lost and distant from it because of the shelter that I have. And so often we can retreat in a good thing. We can retreat into our homes and find safety. But this psalm tells us that there's a greater place of safety. And that is the dwelling of of the Most High. He says, as we shelter in the Most High, a name attributed to God, as we shelter, we find our shelter, we dwell in the presence of God, we will be protected. We will be in the shadow of the Almighty. This begs a question for us. Where do we find our protection, our true protection? Yeah, I just mentioned our homes, and that might be a place that we would say we could find protection. Some of you immediately thought of, I find protection in my weapon, the gun inside my house. But where do we run for true safety? Where we really are hurting? And the reality is we find protection most of the time in so many other places than the dwelling and abiding with God. We find shelter sometimes in our finances. I would expect for most of us, our 401ks are completely trash right now. We find protection in our profession. How many of us have uncertainty right now in our jobs? We find safety and protection, security, and the success of our kids. I'm not sure how you measure online schooling, but I don't think we're going to get much out of that in these days. Or maybe we found shelter and protection in the favor of others, the praise of other men and women. I don't know what it is for you, but so often as we go through this life, we look for safety. We find sort of our our protection, our peace comes from these circumstantial things and from earthly things. If you want to know Where you find your protection, you could ask yourself this question. Right now in this season, as many things have been stripped away from us, as the certainty that we've stood on in so many areas of our lives has become a little bit shaken, what of these things has caused you to get the most angry? What of these things has caused you to have the most fear? What has broken your heart the most? And usually that will be a source that will tell you where do you find your true protection? We're learning, I hope, through this storm where true rest comes from, where true peace, as we sang about, comes from. And we're learning that there is no true rest, there is no peace, there is no real protection in anything this world has to offer. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. 
As I think of just those words, the shadow of the Almighty, I I can't help but think we don't even have to literally be in the physical dwelling place with God. Obviously, what does that look like right now? And in this life, it's hard to see. But just being in the shadow is enough. God is so great, is so powerful, is so um, just everywhere that it's just His shadow that protects us. In verse 2, the psalmist, after sort of declaring this truth, he then speaks to God. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Where do you trust? Who do you trust? Where is your hope found? It's worthwhile to consider. Do you dwell with God? Is He your security? Is He where you find hope and peace. In verses 3 through 6, the psalmist gives us a little bit of a picture of all that causes him to have fear, all the things that are going on in his world that sort of upset him or are frustrating to him. He's thinking about the very real things that he has faced in his life. Charles Spurgeon delivering a message on this text, he said this, if, if Moses wrote this, the fowler might be Pharaoh. If David wrote it, the fowler might be King Saul. So let's read verse 3. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, whoever pursues you, and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. The reality is, He faced all these things. David was pursued by King Saul, as we said, looking to kill him and destroy him. He was fearful what might be happening in the night. As arrows fly at him, come at him, would he lose his life? These were real fears. Destruction was all around him. But for us, again, we haven't until recent days, really ever experienced anything like this, at least most of us, I believe. We've never been that concerned. We've never been that fearful for our own lives. The reality is that these verses, all of the fears, all of the anxieties, all of the things that would come against us, there is really only one true fowler. There is one true enemy, and that's the deceiver. Satan, the prince of darkness. And from him, every day, the arrows of verse 5 come against us. They fly at us. Deception, lies, personal attacks. There is darkness and destruction all around us. Even before this virus popped up, These things existed. These hardships were a reality for us. And because of this virus, we're keenly aware of how broken this world is and how fleeting life can be. As verse verse 7 says, there is death all around us. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand. Death is everywhere. But we have hope. And the hope is found in the fact that we have been delivered from the snare of the fowler, the traps of the enemy. We've been delivered from death. Death does no longer cause us fear. 
although we might see it all around us. Verse 8 says, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. It will not come near you. We'll see it all around us. It is a reality of this broken world, and yet we can have hope, and we know that because of Jesus Christ, we have been delivered from this death. Why? Why can we have that hope? Why can we know that that is true? Because we've been delivered by God through the blood of Jesus Christ. We are covered. It says in verse 4, He will cover you with His pinions. The pinions, if you don't know what that word means, I had to look it up. It's the wings of the bird. It's the sort of the flight wings at the end of the wing. We are covered with that. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. The shield, as the arrows fly at us from the enemy, those attacks come our way. Death comes at us. Jesus is our shield. He is our defender. And it's His faithfulness to us that protects us from those attacks. And just as we've seen, I hope you've, perhaps you've been uh, watching a few extra movies this last few weeks, and you can remember some of these scenes where you've seen the arrows fly at the shield. Go watch Robin Hood this week. It's a good Prince of Thieves, good old Kevin Costner flick. It's pretty terrible, but it was actually good in the 90s. But I think of those arrows coming and the shield protecting, and God is our protector, and it's His faithfulness that protects us. Captain America taught us, though, that the shield is not just a defensive weapon, it is also an offensive weapon. And it's his faithfulness to us that goes on the offensive against the enemy. It takes down the arrows. It puts out the fires. It comes against him who would try to destroy us. God is faithful to us. We find our protection, our peace. Ultimately, we are given life, life that cannot ever be ended. As it says in verse 8, 7 and 8, because of who Jesus is. We don't have to fear the darkness that is all around us because we have the light of the world dwelling within us. That's what it means when we say our faith is in Jesus Christ. We are filled with His Spirit. He is with us, and we are found in Him. In verses 9 through 13, he t- the psalmist describes the results of this hopefulness that he has because that he, of the fact that he dwells with God. Verse 9, because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. These are the promises made to the one who dwells in the Lord, who finds his peace, his protection, his rest in God alone and in not anything, not in none of the circumstances or the things of this world. No evil shall come against you. No plague can touch you. He will guard you. Now, as I say this and I read this text and spent time meditating over that this week, The reality is, is that there are loved ones, friends who have been touched by a virus. 
what we might describe as the plague. There are clearly times when evil does come against us. When we experience, as I said, we see the brokenness of the world all around us, but it does creep into our lives. And, it, and we experience it and we feel it closely. What, what does God have to say about that? That seems to conflict with what it says here, that if we dwell in the Lord, we won't experience any of those things. Now, this is where there's a problem, because the prosperity gospel teachers in this world, they would tell you that these promises will be kept for you if you have enough faith, if you're filled with enough of the Spirit. It's contingent upon what you do in order to secure these promises for yourself. But the prosperity gospel teachers don't have much to say these days, do they, when there's a worldwide pandemic, when the healing services have to be closed because there is no healing apart from Jesus Christ. This virus is taking lives, lives of faithful, righteous men and women, along with the pagan. The reality is that harm does come our way. And this is why we know and where we see that this psalm is pointing, this promise is a promise made of Jesus and made to Jesus. They're speaking, these words are speaking about Jesus Christ. How do we know this? Because Satan himself, as he tried to tempt our Savior, as he tried to throw his arrows his way, he quoted this text. In Matthew 4, he quotes this text and says to Jesus, you might remember, as Jesus is in the desert, then Satan takes him to the top of the temple mount, and he says to him, throw yourself down because the angels will lift you up. God's word says this is who you are. This is the promises that are promised to you. Satan knew that this psalm was written of Jesus Christ because the Lord had, is your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. God will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. This is a promise to Jesus. But what about you and I? You've heard me just say, well, these... If we find our hope, if we dwell in the Lord, the darkness cannot come against us. We have light within us. What about you and I? And here, once again, is this glorious truth that we spent some time dwelling on in our study of Ephesians a few months ago. Yes, these are promises made to Christ. These are, these are promises, this is a truth delivered and it speaks of Jesus. But for those of us who call ourselves Christians, the Word of God tells us that every promise made to Christ is ours, who are found in Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. Amen is a word that translated means that it would be so. The answer is yes. And so all the promises of God made to Jesus for those of us who are found in him, who have put our hope in him, who have believed in the finished work of Christ on the cross, we also can hold on to these promises. And know in this life, we might face plague or pestilence or a coronavirus. We will face death. 
We will experience these things, but they are not final for us. They are not the end for us. We can hold on to this promise of God that those things that are promised to Jesus will be ours. And it's because of Jesus that we know our ultimate end. Nothing can change that, friends. Nothing can change that. Miss Elvira and Miss Sherry are saying amen to that right now, church, so you would know that nothing can change that. All of the promises of God made to Jesus are fulfilled through Jesus, and they're delivered to us. They find their yes in Him. So, we will face plagues, we will face pestilence, we will face death, but because we have made the Lord our dwelling place, no evil shall ultimately befall us. We can rest and we can find hope in that. I was reminded this week of a beautiful passage from Hebrews chapter 10, verses 11 through 14. And Hebrews, speaking to the priestly order and the role of the priest in the Old Testament and the way the priest did their service, and it describes that in verse 11, and it says, And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. So the priests of the Old Testament, they would go about their duties. They would do them diligently. They would do them faithfully. They were doing what they had been told to do by God himself. And they went before God and they offered sacrifices to God. And they did that today. And then they would come back tomorrow. And then they'd come back the next day. And they were continually offering the same sacrifices over and over and over again, attempting to atone for the sins. But here, Hebrews chapter 11 says that those sacrifices, none of those sacrifices were completely complete enough to take away sins, to pay the right penalty for sin. But there would one day come a sacrifice that would be the right penalty, the final penalty. In verse 12 it says, but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. When Jesus went to the cross, and laid down his life, took it up three days later, spent time with his followers, and then ascended to the right hand of the Father, he sat down. And he sat down because he had paid for sins once and for all. There would no longer be any more sacrifices that need to be made. This is why, friends, when these arrows of the enemy come against you, the shield of God is Jesus himself who says, I've already paid for that. You have no place here. You will find no landing spot on this one. I have paid for it with my blood, Jesus says. You are covered. He will cover you with his pinions. He has covered us with his blood. And because we have been covered with his blood, the arrows of the enemy have no landing place in our lives. The sacrifice has been made. This is why so often when I spend time with you one-on-one, -on -one, I try to encourage you, if you're hearing things from the enemy, they will sound like accusations. If you're hearing things from the Holy Spirit, they will be corrective sometimes. They will rebuke you sometimes, but they will not be accusations. They will be spoken to you in love. They will say, stop that because I love you and I paid a price for you. Change direction here because I love you and I have sent you with a purpose to glorify my name rather than yourself. The accusations that come against us are you're not worthy enough. You didn't really. God doesn't truly love you. That's what those sound like. There's a difference there, friends. Don't miss that. And the reason that that is true is this verse. Christ paid it all. He offered for a 
single time, a single sacrifice for sins. And when he said it was finished, it was finished, and he sat down. When I'm done here, I'm going to go to my house, believing that I did all that God had called me to do, and I'm going to sit down and take a nap. I'm going to rest. I'm going to rest in what Jesus has done. I'm going to rest in God's faithfulness to me, God's ability to use his word to speak to you even through a camera. And I'm going to rest. And that's just a small glimpse of what Jesus has done. He has delivered us. He has covered us in his blood. And he has sat down because there is no longer any more work to be done. It has been paid. And look at what, as the uh, writer of Hebrews continues after he sits down, what's he do in verse 13? Waiting from that time when he sat down until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Go back to Psalm 91. You will tread on the lion and the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Are you seeing how this psalm written to Jesus is then applied to us as believers only through the blood of Jesus and because of what he has done? It's a beautiful truth. It's something that can secure us and that we can hold on to. The arrows will fly. They will find no landing spot in our lives because of Jesus. I thank God that Jesus sat down. I no longer have to make a sacrifice for my own sins trying to atone. In fact, there is no way for me to do that. The, the, the priest did it every day, and it was not a right sacrifice. It wasn't enough to atone for sin. My sins, your sins, have been fully atoned for through the once and final offering of Jesus Christ. And here are the promises that we can hold on to as a result of that given to us in Psalm 91, verses 14 through the end. Because he holds fast to me in love, this is God speaking to us, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. If you've never put your hope in Jesus Christ, my belief, my expectation is, is that you spend your days trying to atone for the wrong, the sin in your life, sins that probably only you know, and you try to atone for them in ways that only you know constantly trying to even out the balance sheet of your life, saying, if I can do this, I will make this okay. That's why we find, by the way, when it, going back to verse 1, we end up dwelling in these otherworldly things. We're thinking if we can just accomplish this, if we can just see this happen in our lives, if we can find protection in this, that will make everything right. I'll feel okay if I can just get it, get, just get it figured out. And this psalm tells us there's nothing to be done. Go and rest in God alone. And the promises that are shown and spoken of here made to Jesus will be yours. For those of us who call ourselves Christians, we can't try and live our lives 
as if Jesus never went to the cross, as if the payment was never paid. How futile that would be. Honestly, just how it breaks my heart to think of men and women who have put their faith in Jesus Christ and are still trying to find their salvation in something other than Jesus Christ. That doesn't make any sense, but that's the way we so often lead our lives. And God is saying to us through this psalm, abide in me, rest in my shadow. I will sustain you. I will answer you. I will be with you. I will rescue you. I will honor you. And one day, although the attacks, the darkness might come against you, I will show you your salvation forever and ever. Amen. Rest in that, friends. Put your salvation, put your hope in God. Dwell in Him. Let it be our word to God this morning. I will say to the Lord, you are my refuge. You are my fortress. You are my God. You are who I trust in. And allow him to be that safe place for us. Allow him to show us who he is. Don't look for things from this world trust in the finished work of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for this word, this word of hope, this word that brings so much peace. God, I thank you that you loved us enough to send your son our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that in Him, we are covered. All the promises that you made, that you speak of in this psalm, they are yes and amen for our lives. And we know and we grieve that we do yet experience the brokenness of this world. But we trust you in that. We trust that you have a perfect plan. You have a purpose for allowing these trials. But we declare that we find our refuge, our hope in you. You are our God. We trust in you, Lord. God, we're going to sing a song to you that declares your faithfulness. And I thank you that in seasons like we're experiencing right now, we can trust you to secure us, to hold us, to see us through to the end. Thank you, Jesus, for your atoning work on the cross, paying the price once and for all so that we could look forward to the day when we dwell with God in the Most High and see our salvation forever and ever.
Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.